Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Sometimes during Christmas, something magical happens. Hey, Cricket customers. The Max with Ads plan is included with the Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. And this holiday season, Max is the one to watch when you're feeling festive. Son of a nutcracker. Cozy up to all the holiday classics like Elf, 8-Bit Christmas, and the Harry Potter 8 film collection. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. Phone plan streams and standard definition programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Welcome to High Stakes, Episode 8. I'm your host, Neil Orfield, and my guest today is that monster we've been warning you about. Came out of nowhere in 2019, he's got simulators, he's an originator, and he's just been crushing just about every sport for the past couple of years. Uh, his name on Twitter is Nerdy Tenor, his name on DraftKings is Nerdy Tenor. Fanduel, he's Purple Octopus. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing great. Are you uh, planning on playing some golf this weekend? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to play golf, uh, you got to play this one. So, yeah, I, that's a guy I definitely upping my volume of quite a bit, actually. Oh, yeah. Are you playing like all the, the high stakes stuff and all the different? I mean, there's, I believe, four millimakers. I'm playing the big $15 one. I think, I think that's the only millimaker I'm winning, but I'm doing a couple, couple high stakes things and then a bunch of, bunch of qualifiers for fun. I, I have a small budget for that, so I figured this is a good one to to load up on. So nice, yeah. It's it's a it's a fun week. Everybody's talking about it. I'm I'm not big into uh, PGA DFS. I've been getting into it more this year, uh, but it, it's pretty exciting when when everybody's talking. It's all over Twitter. Everybody's talking about who they're going to play. Everybody has like hot takes left and right. So uh, I'm excited to play as well. But the thing um, I'm really excited about is uh, baseball starting up again. Oh yeah, I, I'm sure you are. That's really a thrill. I mean, it's me too. Just, it's just so much more civilized than NBA uh, DFS. <laughs> you so, so let's uh, let's talk <laughs> about that. Uh, so we're jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, I, I don't believe you've been playing NBA DFS classic slates. Is that the case? Well, that was true in the past. So there's a funny story there. Um, uh, I generally focused on slates where late swap is not an issue. So showdown and turbos, and if a main slate happened to have like those weird slates where there's like three games at 5.30 for whatever reason on a Thursday, like yep. those I would play. Um, but I might've mentioned this in the past online. I, my simulations do not show much of a winning result at all uh, when, I, when I ran my back testing for those. And the reason I avoided main slates is because I have a family and I wanna see them once in a while. And, yep. you know, as you well know, if you're going to play NBA, you just have to be in front of your computer. Um, 
you know, my son's a little older now and busy with his own stuff. And so I've dipped my toes into that this year and it's been quite successful. Um, so okay. I, I'm still trying to figure out what to make of it, but I suspect what's happening there is that um, my process is, is maybe close to break even or slightly losing for contests without late swap. But once you add late swap, it's such a huge edge. Or, or put another way, not utilizing late swap is such a big leap. Right. That's, that's enough to put me into the plus. Even though, you know, I, I talked about this on Jordan's podcast. Like I avoided, I also avoided the main slates because I don't have an automated way of doing late swap intelligently. Right. And so I just made a decision like it's never going to be perfect, but I'm just going to. So I wrote some tools for myself to simplify it, but it's it's still kind of ad hoc. I mean, I'm making human decisions. Oh, poor, right? It's <laughs> just not not my wheelhouse. But I, I maybe that's enough for me to win. The combination of my sounds software, like it is. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> that's interesting. So, so I I had thought that you played NBA DFS. Like I feel like I've been seeing your name all over the place still. Uh, and yeah. then I, I rewatched your interview with Jordan, and you mentioned that you didn't play classic NBA slates unless there was unless it was like a you know late night one where there was no you didn't have to worry about late swap. So then I looked at your results recently, and I didn't see any recent results from main slate. So I thought, oh, he must not he must still not be doing it. But it must be that they just hadn't updated yet. Yeah, uh, I, okay. I banked one on Fanduel for 100k, uh, but oh, that. Did that's right, that, purple octopus. Yeah, yeah. But that one was a two gamer, so that does right. not really prove the point. But then, I think DK on a on a more normal main slate that had a lot of late swap action, I got second and fifth or something. Yeah. Um, on a big one, so okay. it, it, it's still too small a sample to know. I mean, but I, I you're I giving it a shot. I'm giving it a shot. I still suspect I won't do a lot of it. It's just a ton of work, and um, yeah. it's a it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> so, have yeah. you been playing every day on both DraftKings and FanDuel, like on the main slates? Not for NBA. I've been picking and okay. choosing. Like, if there's anything remotely interesting happening that I could be doing otherwise, I'll do that instead. Okay. Like, if we want to go out to dinner with friends, I'm doing that. If we, my son wants to watch a show, we're doing that. But like. Okay. It's sort of opportunistic because I'm not super confident in 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 my edge there. Well, I should okay. restate. I'm not super confident that I have an edge after the rake. Right. Which is okay. like pretty much everything I've ever attempted in DFS has very quickly been above average relative to the field. Yeah. But as you know, that's not even close to enough to win, right? You have to be top 95, 93% just to break even right? yep yeah it's a it's a tough game um I'm, I'm confident that you will be able to beat the rake long term but but let's i want to i want to save talking about your process so now that's something i'm going <laughs> to add to when we're talking about your process now i want to hear about your late swap process because i was working under the assumption that you weren't doing it and that's obviously a pretty fascinating part of anybody's process but in particular your process because you're doing simulations and that obviously stuff changes uh, after after the first lock when you need to do late swap. So I'm really interested in hearing about that, but uh, let's save it and, and, and start the more classical way and talk about your background just a little bit. I'm sure people have already kind of gotten a feel for uh, what kind of player you are just based on these first five minutes we've been talking, 10 minutes, whatever it's been. Um, but let's get into your background a little bit. So what kind of background do you have in statistics? Are you formally trained or informally trained? So 
I don't think I ever took stats, um, but I do have training in computer science as a computer science major. So I have some math. I don't have a ton. Um, I always wish I had more math than I do. My brother is actually a math professor. Um, wow. Yeah, but um, I, I'm not a mathematician or a computer scientist, really. I'm more like a, a programmer with pretensions. Like, I, I try to use those things as tools. Um, like, I will, I'm not really good at reading math or computer science papers, but I'll force my, myself to to get through them and i i can do it if it if it if i really have to uh okay. I'm just so are you a hands-on learner then would you say i mean is it kind of like what you you learn once you need to learn how to do something you can figure it out then or yeah i think i have enough i have just enough knowledge of math and computer science to know where to look for things um okay so it's it's not so much that i have the answers myself but i'm like i'm like i'm like ah oh, this you know, this problem, surely somebody's figured out a way to convert this kind of distribution into something else or how to sample this fairly or, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. So I end up like reading math papers and skimming snippets of code online that I just kind of barely understand enough that I can incorporate it myself. Okay. I would say. Yeah. So you and learn what you need to learn. Yeah, and then I do a fair bit of, frankly, what you would call research, where I just try stuff out. I, I've written tons of code that I've thrown away, tons and tons and tons, thousands and thousands of lines of stuff. I'm like, oh, this is a really cool idea. And then I back test it, and it's worse than the thing I already had, or <laughs> there's literally no difference. That happens a lot. So. And you, you say, so I was going to ask next whether you have formal or informal training in computer programming. I think you just said you're a computer science, you were a computer science major. Yes, computer science and uh, singing was my, I was a double major. So, oh, double major. Okay. Yeah, I started actually as a music student at a conservatory and as a singer. And after the first year, I was a little bored. So I added the computer science major, which I, I always kind of tinkered with that stuff. So. Yeah, you said on you said on the uh, theory of DFS. You were a guest on the theory of DFS podcast uh, that you would sometimes you do computer science, and then when you got bored of that, you just go back to singing and kind of go back and forth. Is that still the case? Like, I, do, do you go back and forth? Um, yeah, and it, I yeah. do. And in yeah. fact, yesterday I I just had a, a rehearsal last night in Boulder for concerts that are in a few weeks. Uh, you say in Boulder? Yeah. So you're, I live, you're in Colorado. I live in Denver, but um, yeah, for for whatever reason, I have. Uh, four singing gigs in april and may it That's just awesome. happened that way all at once so um three of them are out here and one is in sonoma and then um so yeah i i, I have done various amounts of both i i've been full-time software full-time singer right now it's probably about uh 85 15 um tech stuff and music stuff yeah okay that's Although these next two months, it's going to be closer to 50-50. Nice. Yeah. Well, it, it seems to me that there are a lot of DFSers uh, in Colorado, so you should post your schedule for when you're going to be singing. Maybe some DFSers will come out and see you. I will do. I'll, I'll try to Twitter. inject some culture into these. Uh... We could use it. Us DFSers, we don't have much culture. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
and do you, so at this point, do you consider yourself a DFS pro? Like I, I think of you as being a DFS pro. Is that, do you think that's your primary occupation at this point? Strangely, it is right now. I think what happened was, um, so my main tech job for the past few years has been writing custom poker software for various serious players. And you say that the last few years, like, you know, 2019, 2021, you've, you've been still yeah, actually, doing poker software? I am, but. In 2020, by 2020, um, mid-pandemic, I was kind of burned out. I still am a little. So um, the people I work for it's are very flexible, which is great. Um, various people. And um, so I'm, I'm doing that sort of quarter time now. And then okay. the rest of my time has been DFS and music, depending on what's happening. So yeah, I guess I am like a three-quarter time DFS pro or something like it. Do you, do you still sell your pro poker tools? You, you talked about that a little bit on Jordan's podcast. I do, podcast. I do. I, I make a small amount of money each year on that. I feel bad because I haven't updated it in years. Um, and I, I can never keep up with customer emails because I have so oh. many other things going on. So, but I, I um, yeah, people still use it and it's still useful. I saw that you had, you posted some videos on your YouTube. I, I searched a little bit and found oh, just some little tutorials, really short tutorials ancient, yeah. on YouTube. They were from like 2000. 11 i want to say they were they were pretty ancient i didn't yeah. end up watching them the first one didn't have sound or maybe my yeah, sound i think wasn't i working. did some like silent videos for whatever reason yeah. <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> that's funny uh, yeah so yeah. so that's so you have a, a background in poker which is pretty pretty common in dfs i don't come from a poker background right, um, is that right. kind of how you uh, how you got started with dfs you come from poker a lot of poker players moved on from dfs i know that's kind of how alex baker got started when when did you start getting involved with dfs and what drew you in so there are two phases um, the first phase was somebody I had worked uh, a very an elite poker pro I'd worked with on another project, um, which went really well and then kind of finished. Um, very successful, and he said, "You know, there's this DFS thing, and there's tons of money." And so he lives in Europe. So I flew out there and met with him and and some other people I know from this project, and it was kind of fun actually. I'm not a super big sports guy but they were looking at the NFL. And so like, we're watching games and I'm like explaining the rules to them as we're <laughs> watching. <laughs> um, and uh, I ultimately decided not to do that, which I, you know, feels terrible now in retrospect, um, but I just had too many other things going on. Um, they went on to give it a go and I, I wasn't involved, so I'm not quite sure what happened. So you mentioned a, on, on Jordan's podcast that they were essentially trying to do ownership projections. Like that was kind of the, the early so. stages of doing something along those lines that I you decided so. not it's to get involved big. with. Yeah, something like that. It's it's not really any of my business. I think yeah, that's yeah. what they were doing. Um, anyway, that kind of planted the seed, but I didn't do anything. And then I'm looking at my records here. I can see like a few single dollar entries from 2015. That's from that. We put in a few like little entries so we could sweat football together basically. Nice. So um, scroll ahead, a few years later, I'm, I don't even remember what my motivation was, but in 2017 or so, I started dorking around with um, microstakes NFL tiers. Um, so I'm like, oh, this is just a, kind of a fun thing. I'm like, I wonder if I can whip something together. Like these, the um, problem space, or the, the number of possible lineups is so low that I'm like, I can model this like easily. Like I can generate all the lineups and 
I'll, I'll take some public projections and I'll, I'll slice and dice. And I did something relatively unsophisticated um, and I tweaked it, I tried a few things. This is like spread out over like a year, like doing, putting in a few hours here and then doing nothing for a few months and then trying again. And then I got something, I'm like, hey, this is actually, this is actually winning. And um, I realized that the key, the key thing that I realized early is that on DraftKings, the ability to download the CSV after the contest is over allows you to do all sorts of analysis after the fact. Say, oh, what would have happened if I had done this strategy instead of this strategy? What would have happened if I took this approach versus that? So that that loop of like enter contests, write code, back test, improve, repeat over and over. Like that's that's sort of um that's entirely it's the same thing as developers, software developers say you have a code test loop, like you write a little thing and then you test it and then you write the next thing. And it gets you in this um, this sort of productive mode where you're, you're taking lots of small incremental steps. So I think that was the start of it. And then shortly after I was confident I could beat like $4 tiers contest. Um, huge accomplishment, yeah. right? Um, I started messing. The most. <laughs> I started messing around with uh, microstakes showdown, and then I immediately started to do. I would put out individual entries into like big money showdown. So I'd put like a single fifteen dollar entry, um, almost solely so that I could get access to the CSV, right? Yep. So now I'm building up this set of showdown contests and I can test my process. And at some point I got to where um, I could tell my process was winning at least over the set of slates I'd looked at on average and it was winning handily. Um, so I'm like, I ran some numbers and did some bankroll simulations and, and these sorts of things. And I realized there's a lot of EV to be had but I wasn't comfortable um, putting in the investment necessary. You know, I got a family. I can't like, yeah, like yeah. drop a hundred k. It was like not acceptable at the time for me right. on this. So I contacted one of the, my poker contacts who trust me and I've worked with before. I'm like, here's the deal. I've got this system that works. If you're willing to put up the money, you'll get most of the return, but you're gonna take the risk. So if you lose, it's on you. But if we win, I get a I get a cut, and uh, that's kind of what launched my career. Um, in 2019, we basically broke even, and then in 20, do I have that right? 2020, I might be off by a year. 2020, I hit. A, I think you're right. Just, um, just from looking at your results, I believe 2020 it looks like you were crushing everything. Yeah, one of those shows. It's hard to tell if you're looking at a rotor grinder. It's hard to tell um, with showdown when you yeah. have a first place. Well, in November of 2020, one of those showdowns, it was, they were both Monday night. One of them was a medium-sized tie and I won like $50,000. It was like a million for first. But then the next week, I split with one other person. So I got $550,000. And yep. so I, I was a very satisfying message to my backer. I'm like, bad news. I'm ending our staking agreement. 
good news it's because we <laughs> want a ton of money and that's i don't awesome. need your help anymore so that's great yeah i'm, I'm looking at uh november 9th and november 16th in your rotorenus profile i can see they look identical in your rotorenus Rota profile right. it just shows first out of 176,470 you get the same number of points and one of them you split with one other person one of them you split with several other that's funny yeah, yeah. this is pretty funny that, that's a fun way to start. So actually, I, I got a, a listener question about the backer. Somebody said he used to have a backer. Curious what the contract looked like and what point at what point he went solo. So it sounds like you went solo after winning that big contest for five hundred fifty thousand. Uh, do you, anything? Any other notes about the contract? Was it? Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't mentioned the name. I, I shouldn't give away too much information in case okay. doesn't want it to be known. I mean, there's no way yeah. to figure out who it was anyway. But uh, yeah, I'll leave the financial details out. Okay. But um, I will say that, so we we basically spelled out the kinds of contests I would enter and a, and a sort of um, min-max volume I expected to play. And, and what my sim, if my past results predicted the future, what I thought our EV was. Okay. And then I gave him a range of outcomes too. I'm like, you could lose like 20% like of the time we're out 60K or something. Right. And then this was like a 96th percentile or 98th percentile outcome <laughs> yeah, was yeah. hitting, hitting, uh, hitting that low. I mean, I think that the, the mean outcome was like plus 50K or something. Which isn't bad. No, but yeah. I mean. And you're, play, you're playing exclusively showdown, right? NFL showdown, that was all your playing I might have been point. dabbling a bit of stuff on my own, but yeah, for, the, for this staking thing, it was just that sport. Okay, that's it. That and were, were you only entering like the, the biggest contests? Were you playing both DraftKings and FanDuel or were you also, and were you playing like higher stakes as well? What, what was that looking like? It was just the huge field DraftKings. Um, okay. That's, that was it. I started looking at a little bit higher stakes, but I think almost all of the volume was between $10 and $33 for each entry. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And how much regret did you have after you saw how much you would have won if you had entered all of your lineups, you know, before you started playing seriously, when you're I, just back testing? I didn't really. Um, okay. Very well, mature of you. Well, it's not like I'm super zen-like about everything. That that didn't bother me. Um, <laughs> well, what bothered me was not having a, a good tax lawyer before I hit that huge payoff. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, I did figure it out, but um, the combination of DFS and a staker and foreign tax is not one I'd recommend oh to anyone. That took quite a while to figure out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I had quite a bit of regret about that. Um, but in terms of not entering a bigger contest, um, I talked about it a little with Jordan where I was uh, I dipped my toe into golf after football. I'm like, I've got something good for football. Maybe I can try a different sport. And I'm like, what's the simplest looking sport? And by simple, I mean the um, the projections are as simple as possible. Doesn't have correlation. No correlation. Huge data sets. Um, yeah. Widely available, excellent projections to be found. Um, I'm like, I'll give this a go. But when I started golf, I did the same thing I did with football. I just lobbed in like single entries in these huge things to get the CSV. Okay. And then once I had enough of a hint that my process was positive, then I started to slowly ramp it up. 
and then I really ramped it up. Um, and I was very successful in 2020. Um, but after, and it was those after, years, after you had won $550,000, you still went back to only entering one entry actually, in golf. Actually, no, I think the golf thing happened before the 550. Okay. And but, I suppose you, you didn't get the full 550 because you were splitting with the backer as yeah, well. So I guess yeah, you got most of it as, as well as you should have. But um, okay. he, um, <laughs> after those two experiences, when MLB came around, I'm like, okay, I need to, like, I've done this twice now. I don't want to wait. And I basically, I coded up pretty hard for the first few weeks of MLB. And I'm like, I'm just jamming in volume. I'm not going to wait to get the evidence that I'm winning because I think the likelihood is that given what I've experienced so far, that this approach is good enough to win. And so I took a more aggressive, like, I'm going to play this until I have evidence that it's not winning as opposed to waiting till I have evidence that it is winning. Yeah. And that, that was sense. that paid off big time. Again, I had I had extremely good luck in MLB, but my sims were quite solid across across the season. Um, I'm I'm pretty confident in the process that I have there. So. Yeah, you you mentioned on the theory of DFS that so you don't use Roto Tracker, but you do your own kind of version of Roto Tracker. And yeah. you mentioned that you were putting like 1.4 percent of your MLB lineups into the top one percent, but 1.7 percent into the top or sorry. 0.17% into the top 0.1%, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which I have to say, I, I have very similar results in MLB and I, I had uh -huh. a very successful year last year in MLB and I've been trying to justify it to myself. Like, well, maybe that's just how it is in MLB. Like it doesn't, you don't have the same kind of curve as you have in other sports. Probably we both just got lucky, but it at least made me feel better that you had a similar, a comparable number percentage in the top 1%. So that maybe, maybe there is something to it where it's not, you can't expect the same kind of curve as you have for like NBA or NFL. I, I also think it's very hard to estimate your, your EV accurately with this approach. I totally understand why people do it. Um, it's definitely better than nothing. And I, I think it's a smart thing to look at, but what I do is I go back. So the reason I do all, I, I don't use rotor tracker is I have a spreadsheet with every sport and every site and every contest. So I'm absolutely religious about this. So I have how many entries, what's the day, how many games, how many players, how many max, 150 maxers, what was my result? And then critically after every slate, usually the, it's what I do in the morning when I first get up because it's, it's just kind of grunt work. I run all my Sims again and I say, okay, run my process basically 100,000 times. And given what everyone else played, you know, take the 150 I actually played out and put in a new set, recompute the payouts, do the same thing 100,000 times and tell me what my average return was, right? Okay. That's why I know I was running. I mean, I didn't need someone to tell me I was running hot at MLB, but right. I can sort of put a little bit more of a, a tighter bound on how hot I was running by looking at that number, right? But so you were still, would, you still would have been plus EV. I mean, that was- Yes, if I, I got the average result, if I got the average result, I would have been very happy. Right. Um, so, and the fact that there are so many MLB slates relative to like football or even golf, like there's so many slates. Yeah. Um, 
I'm pretty confident that at least last season my process was was uh, plus EV. Yeah. yeah, I I'm sure it was just just based on. I mean, it's been a couple of years now that you've been doing really. I well only have one season. I have one season of MLB. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it was it was a very good season. It was an extreme. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I want to get into your process a little bit. I have one more listener queue that's uh, sort of related to your background. Uh, Mr. Gadget Floor asks, do you use mostly Python for your model? And do you have any tips for getting better at computer programming or Python specifically? So I'm not a Python programmer, um, but I've, I've been in the programming business long enough. Um, I'm a relatively seasoned programmer. So I'm at the point where learning learning a new programming language isn't that big of a deal anymore. It's it's more um, it's more understanding how to get how to write you know good reliable software that's testable and repeatable and figuring out how you can fix it and improve it and make it faster. It's these sorts of things. So I don't have any Python specific uh, tips. Um, okay. I would say for getting better at programming, there's we're in like the golden age of self-directed learning there are so many good resources on the internet for learning anything computery i've used them myself not for this i i did a bunch of courses on machine learning which were to fill in pieces that of my knowledge that i wanted to have that i didn't have i mean barely it cost it cost like a few hundred dollars to get like amazing material from like world-renowned people so if it's really you can find great stuff if you're just willing to put in the time um you can get pretty far um i would say for programming specifically just start small and slowly build your way up like it's really useful to be able to write small little programs to make your life easier so mm -hmm. like think of the smallest problem you can think of that you want to solve for yourself and maybe try that Okay. It could be something as simple as like, I have this CSV of all my lineups, and I want to write a script that uh, tells me what percentage of each player I have. Now you can uh, you can do this in Excel, but like that would be an example for like a beginner, just to get. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. It's Chevy truck season. And with the Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With the Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains or you can move them. Because with impressive towing capability, an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen, and a choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. Get familiarization with uh, whatever language you're using. So and just build up from there, okay? Yeah. I think that's good advice. Let me take a break from this conversation with Daniel to tell you about our sponsor, Noah's Advantage. Noah's Advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy DFS with player props contests. It's 100% peer-to-peer to help level the playing field. Noah's Advantage offers 500 player props and all new users get a $25 deposit bonus with promo code AWESEMO, that's A-W-E-S-E-M-O. 
Noos Advantage has mass entry capability and big prize pools. Beat your friends, not the house. Use our Noos Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes. Download it in the App Store or play on noosadvantage.com. Now let's get into your process a little bit. So I'm going to start with a quote uh, of yours from from the from the theory of DFS about talking about process. You said, huh? "I'm sort of torn about how much to reveal about my process. I've talked more and more about it after I realized that it's really hard to do all of the things I've done. It took me a long time to get something I was happy with, and if you're good enough to do that, you probably don't need my help anyway." Uh, which which was kind of my uh, assumption about people like you. So after after listening to your interview, um, you know, a lot of people were talking about your, your interview with Blender uh, and talking about, you know, how much you talked about. And some of us, like myself, had the reaction, well, I can't do what he's doing anyway. Like most, most people are not going to be able to replicate what you do. Um, and whereas others, I think Brick is, you know, he he is a little bit, uh, plays it closer to the chest because he's worried about, in his terms, creating a monster. So I think uh, creating somebody, somebody like yourself, giving away just a little bit too much and, uh, you know, yeah. then having somebody else emerge on the high stakes scene, I think in particular is what he's nervous about. But um, obviously there's parts of your process that you're not going to want to share, but is your general philosophy still that you're comfortable talking about your process because it would be difficult to replicate anyway? Well, I've, I've, I've taken, so I, I listened to all your podcasts and I heard your interview with Brick and I listened to Lulz and, and um, so I, I take what he's saying to heart and I don't pretend I have like this dialed in exactly right but I mean the good news is I can always just hit the undo button right and then everybody no I mean right. uh, I, I think um it's kind of ironic because he's like he doesn't want to create a monster and then he tried to recreate something I did and now it's changed <laughs> so right. uh, the monster I might have created is yeah is, is him but I think um uh, it's a mix. I mean, so I have had people ask me questions um, on Twitter and various discords, and I'll help people up to a point. But um, there's there's a point where, like, if you're asking me certain kinds of questions, it's like you're on your own, bro. You yeah. know, it's like I is, it, is it if you're I, asking smart questions? Is, is that no, where it's, you? It's it's more. It's not even a level of smart. It's which level? What level you're at? Um, okay. So like, I'll I'll be happy to like. And I've done this before. I've used my software to like try and figure out. Someone's like, you know, how owned should this guy be? And I'm like, well, and if it's a Tuesday morning and I'm bored and I'm procrastinating, I'll like, oh, I'll run a sim. Let's see what it says, and we'll, you know, sort of interact with that data at a human level and try to reason about it. Like, you know, is the software full of shit, or is there something real going on here, or does it matter? But I've had people say, you know. Are you using um, like how many layers are you using in this neural net? I'm like, or or like um, which algorithms are you using? I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm I'm polite about. It. I'm like, um, sorry, I'm not comfortable asking it, right. answering it. Um, but I'll tell you a funny story. Somebody was contacted with me about MLB. He was trying to do something with for MLB and software, and he said, you know, I'm trying to do something automated. In MLB and the hardest part of them, the most difficulty I'm having is in lineup generation because there's so many combos and weird things. And I'm like, do you have any advice? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. I was like, I agree, that's the hardest part for this sport. And I said, I'm not comfortable sharing that, but I'll tell you, um, I have some code. The, the current code I have for MLB. The, just the lineup part. We'll talk about my process in a minute, but 
is called a fifth try lineup generator. <laughs> this, <laughs> because, is what you, this is what you've named it. Yes. Because, because, okay, all right. <laughs> I tried a bunch of things and they all had various and sundry problems. And it that's, I mean, yeah, so it, it it took me a lot of time to get there, and I'm not. I don't think I'm willing to give up all of that effort it took to trial and error and testing and. Yep. Um, it's a lot of work, and I'm not at the point where I'm going to give that kind of stuff away. Um, yeah. Which, which try were you using last year? <laughs> that was fifth try. Oh, well, okay. at the very beginning, so I launched into MLB kind of heedless, wild, like a wild man. And uh, over the first few weeks, I, I kept improving the line of generation until I, I got it where I wanted. So. Okay. So, so you're willing to talk about it generally. I, I, I'm not going to ask you any specific questions about programming because I wouldn't know how to anyway, so you don't have to worry about that for me. Yeah. Um, but but let's, let's talk about it a little bit. So I'll start with just the general questions, and we can just kind of yes, no these in the beginning to some extent, um, and then we can get into a little bit more. But uh, I think we you've kind of covered this. Yes, you do you do your own simulations. Uh, I don't think I need to necessarily, unless you have something else you want to say about doing your own simulations. No. But I will say that there's two elements to simulations. Um, okay. There's there's simulate. Most people, when they talk about in the DFS space, they're talking about simulating athlete performance, basically yep. simulating the fantasy points. Play by play. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it could be. It doesn't have to be. You, you're just using some process. You can think of it like a box. You push a button, and it says, here are all the scores for the players. Push the button again. Okay different set of scores comes up. You keep pushing that button. And hopefully the scores will have the properties that you expect in terms of the, the variance of each player and any correlation that there is between the players, right? So if you want to get super geeky about it, the, the whole thing with projections and simulations, it's one, it's one thing and you have, what you have is a, it's a joint probability distribution across all of the athlete fantasy performance. That would be a mathematical description, right? Yeah. But mechanistically, I'm more of a computer guy. I think of it as this, you know, you turn crank, spit out numbers, turn crank, different numbers come out. And sure. you turn that crank a lot of times, like a lot, a lot of times. So yeah, but this, this second, that's the first kind of simulation. That's mostly what people are talking about. The second is, is to try and simulate uh, the players in the context. Yep. What are their strategic choices? So the actual lineup entries in a, in a DFS contest. Right. What would a smart person do? Yep. And that that's also part of my process, and I don't know how many other people are doing that piece. And are you uh, to to the extent you're willing to share? Uh, so is your software looking at like historically what Whistles Go Woo has done and what Awesomeo has done? Is it looking at the kind of lineups that specific users have generated in the past that they expect to, you know, that you expect to enter into the contest and making smart decisions based on what specific users are doing? No. So, okay. so you can, I, I'm going to really geek out here. So we'll look out. Um, yeah, so there's two kinds of, of two classes of machine learning. Um, the, what you're describing is called supervised learning. And it's the same kind of thing that you see when you have, you know, you upload a photo to an app and it recognizes that it's your wife or it's a cat. Okay. okay? 
And it's called supervised because the way those things are generated, and it's almost always neural networks of various configurations, I won't bore you with the details here. You have a huge data set, right? Yep. Millions, tens of millions of photos that are already labeled. This is a cat. This is Neil's wife. This is a fire truck, right? You feed that into something mystical and magical, and it churns and it learns how to recognize things. It's called supervised learning because it's being given the questions and the answers in its learning process. Okay. So I have, as of yet, have not tried to do things that way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if people were doing it because it's a, it's a really interesting avenue. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm doing unsupervised learning where my code tries to discover the strategies entirely by playing itself, basically. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a battle to the death against itself and gradually gets better and better, hopefully, if my software is doing. Now, how I do that, I, it's a lot of customs. It's a lot of... There's a lot of research papers and a lot of custom crap in there. It's a big, it's a big mess, but um, that's sort of okay. how very high level what I try to do. Okay. Yeah, that's um, uh, so, so here's, here's what you said on the theory of you. So I was going to ask you about this um, as well, because I, I was, this is all very, uh, it sounds very interesting. It's also a little bit above my head and uh, maybe you're kind of helping to helping me a little bit to understand, but I'll just, I'll, I'll read what you said on the theory of DFS and see if you can expound even more. Um, so, so you said, uh, the process I use has all these intelligent agents trying to exploit each other until they can't exploit each other anymore. Because of that, the software considers all of the lineups to have the same EV, they're all equally good. You said it keeps crunching and crunching and crunching until it can't tell the difference in EV between any of the lineups anymore. So I was I was going to ask you how to expound on this uh, because you know, like I said, it's a little bit over my head. Are you saying that the software didn't know which lineups are plus EV going in? Like it, it doesn't know until it runs the sims, uh, but then it figures it out by pitting the lineups against each other. Is that that's kind of what you just said? Um, am I understanding that right? That it doesn't know going in, but then it figures out which ones are plus EV by pitting them against each other. You're most of the way there, 80% okay. uh, of the way there. The only thing that's that's slightly off, and it's very confusing if, if you're not using, used to thinking this way, mm -hmm. is it's not identifying plus EV lineups. Okay. It's, it's identifying a, a set of lineups that if everyone is playing super smart and everybody plays with the right frequency, then it doesn't matter which of these you play because you can't get an edge. Like lineup A, um, but it's easier to think about it in, a, in something like uh, Showdown or MMA where there's a very small set of lineups and dupes are a thing. So you imagine a winner take all contest, which is actually not that far from some of these MMA contests in terms of how the payout structures are. Yeah. So imagine that there's, you know, uh, it's a $1 contest and it's 100,000 the first, okay? And let's say that there's some, some million possible lineups or whatever. So roughly speaking, you would expect each lineup to be duplicated. And the more likely it is to win, the more duplicated it is. Yep. Okay? So if everyone's playing perfectly, the odds of a lineup being duped are gonna be exactly proportional to how likely it is to win. So if lineup A 
has a one in a hundred chance to win is a hundred thousand entries, you expect it to be duped exactly 1000 times on average. If mm -hmm. everyone is playing perfectly. Yep. But if it's a one in a hundred thousand to win, you would expect to see it once. Yep. Okay. But if everybody plays with those frequencies, it doesn't matter which one you pick. If everyone else has the optimal frequency, right? It's just a question of variance at that point. If you can pick the one in a hundred, you're much more likely to get a payout, but it's going to be chopped a hundred ways. Right. Right. You could pick the one in a hundred thousand, very rarely going to win, but you're going to have a huge payday. But if you do the math, the average payout is exactly the same. They're all going to be break even before the rake. If you assume there's no rake, yep. then all of these entries are break even, right? It's just they're played with different frequencies because some are more likely than others, right? To okay. win. Right. Now this all starts to get really messy as soon as you get to real contests where you can't even realistically model all of the lineups because there are trillions upon trillions of them and right. they're all correlated in weird ways and the payout is not winner take all and there's all sorts of mess there. <laughs> yeah. But but, but, but so MMA perfect... seems to be MMA seems to be a great uh, place to kind of test this, right? Mm -hmm. To test this kind of model because there's a limited number of lineups you can generate. Yeah. So if we're if we're talking about my process as a whole, I can just take a step back and do yeah, very do high it. level. So I think I talk about this to Jordan too, but yep. you, you, you got I've got three phases. The first is lineup generation, which is just generate a bunch of reasonable looking lineups. I haven't done any sims or anything, just somehow, and this is actually can be quite tricky in, in some sports. But in a in a sport like MMA, there's not that many lineups for a computer. It's usually a couple hundred thousand. It's nothing. You could fit it in a, in a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the second thing is is that joint proper probability distribution, right? You need to pull that crank and simulate a whole bunch of outcomes. And then the third part is you take those first two pieces and figure out how often lineups should be played, right? That that is extremely technical and and hard. <laughs> it's it's what I've spent a lot of my time focused on. So right. uh, I suspect it's it's where it's where a lot of my edge probably comes from, although it's hard to know for sure. There's a lot of moving parts to this, as you can, you can tell, but top level at a at a high level, that's it's lineups and then sims and then did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Lots of computation to figure out what to do with all of that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what are you basing that on? So so um, so, so how do you end up choosing your lineups essentially? So you're creating all of these hundreds of thousands of lineups and they're competing against each other. And that's based on projections. Is it just, is it based on projections alone? Like how they, uh, or, or like range of outcomes for individual players and lineups. Is that how you determine, you know, how frequently one lineup beats another lineup? Is it just, just it's like all anything sim- else essentially? It's all simulated out. Right? Okay. So it's, it's all it's it's basically a contest between all of these lineups and um there's technical details that are i don't want to go into and okay. also would probably be super boring frankly <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah it's it's basically these lineups are competing against each other uh in okay. a sense okay and and i assume so so i my assumption has been that you need to have some sort of an ownership projection for it to make any sense for it to do these are you not factoring in uh you're not doing any kind of ownership computation that's something that your simulator is doing for you yeah so well there's two senses in which we can talk about ownership there's what we think people will do which is what sites like osmo and roto grinders and others do which is a hard problem i do not envy the people doing that there's a legitimately but then there is what the ownership would be if everybody played extremely high level. Yep. I get the second thing through my process. Okay. I don't pay any attention to the first thing. But that's just now. I mean, this goes right to what the difference between exploitative style and balanced style is. Um, I reserve the right to become exploitive at any time. I think there's a lot of money to be made there. And I suspect many DFS pros, most of their edge comes from exploiting mistakes of the field. Yeah. A lot of it. And I'm not, I'm not getting all of that EV, right? Because. because So this this is a big discussion that I wanted to have the the exploitative, you you describe yourself as having a balanced style of play, but could it also be uh, described as being game theory optimal? Those are the same thing. I think the okay. term game theory optimal is really unfortunate. So I try not to use it myself. The word okay. optimal is very, that's the unfortunate part of the phrase. I, I can't remember if it was math or poker, if it was those guys who brought that. Those are smart guys. Okay. Um, I can't remember who, who coined the term because the word optimal implies best, but that's not what's meant right. in this sense. Which I think is why I had assumed that exploitative was why I assumed that game theory optimal and exploitative was the same thing because I think of game theory optimal being the best decision that you can make uh, game theory wise. So right. I, had, I had assumed that that would be exploitative. Uh, and then of course, uh, it sounds to me like, so, so you've, you've described your process, you describe it as balanced, but 
you know, Brick75 said on our show that after hearing your interview with Blender, he switched up his style of play to be more like yours. So, so he's trying to be a little bit more uh, game theory optimal or, or balanced rather than exploitative, which is the way that I play and the way Blender plays. And I think the way a lot of pros play is an exploitative style. Um, but uh, what, what do you think are the advantages of playing game theory optimal rather than exploitative? You just said that you're, you might switch it up. So, so you're, you know, you're not, uh, you're not uh, going to necessarily be game theory optimal forever. You're not, you haven't decided yet the way that you want to play going forward, but you've been very successful playing uh, a balanced style of play. So do, do you think that there are advantages to just playing the balanced style of play rather than playing an exploitative style of play? And I'll, I'll add in uh, a listener question since, uh, since, I'm on, since we're on the topic. Uh, Eric Most asked, do you think you're giving up edge by playing a game theory optimal strategy instead of exploitable? So I'll start with the second question. So the second, the answer to the second question is yes, by definition, in the technical sense, right? So um, if you play with, with toy games, you can show very clearly. And actually, Blender did this on one of his morning shows, which is pretty cool. He, he did it in Excel, which was like, I would never think to do it in Excel. But he, he showed, he basically created a spreadsheet where he showed um, a very simple fictional contest with payout probabilities. And you show that if you change the field's percentages, and but you keep playing the optimal, and this is all assuming rake free, of course, you win money. But if you dial up the uh, the the deltas, basically, that is, if if somebody is over on player A, you go to zero would be optimal, all things being equal. And if they're under, you cram it in, right? That would be like maximally exploitative. Then the EV goes up and it goes up a lot. So in theory, in a theoretical game, the difference between uh, the EV of an exploitative style versus a balanced style where your opponents are making major mistakes can be quite large, okay? If you, if you play around with it. Yep. Um, so yes, I am definitely giving something up there. Uh, but the thing is, in order to exploit, you need two things. First of all, in order to exploit the field, to exploit a mistake, you need to know first know that it's a mistake. Mm -hmm. So you have to have some sense of what the correct ownership is, yep. right? When we say a player is overowned, what does that mean? It means we have some prior that the ownership should be X and the field is doing 1.3x, right? So you, need to, so you need to know what the correct ownership should be, which I, I try to figure that out as best I can. But then you also need to know what the field is actually going to do. So you have to be making predictions, right? Yep. And, then, and then the third thing is you have to figure out how to combine that, those two things together intelligently to make good entries because in the in the simple games it's quite easy you just you know full fade the things that they're over and jam in the ones they're under yep. but as you know lineups are not that simple there's lots of interlocking pieces and correlations so it's harder there, the advantage to my approach is it's easier to execute right once i I'm comfortable that my Sims and my lineup generation and my Voodoo Magic piece are all working. I don't really have to do anything. Uh, 
if you're exploiting, you, you're constantly, every slate is different and you have to constantly recompute, you know, for yourself, what am I doing to get different? What are the field mistakes? Um, but the, the disadvantage, the disadvantage to exploitative play is quite clear too. One, you're, predict, you're necessarily predicting other people's mistakes, mm -hmm. which is hard and you're gonna get it wrong. And when you get it wrong, you're really gonna yep, get yep. punished, right? If you think um, the field is way, way under on a guy and you cram it in, and then it turns out that they were slightly over, you are just bleeding. That to me all the time. Yeah. Of course, yeah, it's gonna, it's really hard. So it's gonna ramp up your volatility. And you can see that in a toy game too. You could play with this Nixel like Jordan did and just run your own like micro sim basically. And you'll see that the EV goes way up with the volatility. Right? Yep. And yeah. I don't know about you, but I have plenty of volatility as it is. Right. Yep. So I do have some ideas about how to create something that exploits the field automatically and, and tries to predict mistakes. I, I have, I'm kicking around some ideas there. It's not so. something you're using yet. It's something that you might not yet. add to your process. So you'll just kind of keep yeah. your, your foot on our necks in MLB. You're just going <laughs> to, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be hard. I mean, the tricky part is also you need to be able to, and I think Bricks talked about this. You want to back test your takes. Yeah. So I would spend quite a bit of effort into basically if I were to take a stand because of ownership, I would have to bake that into a testable process. So I'd have to have it like be some kind of configuration file. I'm like, I'm taking a stand. I think this guy is going to have this much ownership and that's too much. And I'm going to play him half as often as this output. And I have mm -hmm. to save that so that I can keep myself honest. Right. Yep. Um, otherwise, I don't know if, if I'm doing it right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so that was that was part of the reason that you didn't want to do classic NBA style for like the full slates was because it is harder to backtest. Have you found a, a way to better backtest your, your NBA lineups? Um, no, I, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> and I don't think I ever will. I just, I'm just trying to get comfortable with that kind of uncertainty um, and just live with it. I just have to trust that like, at least for the low mid stakes, you know, that your $10, $20 entry, like, surely what i'm doing is 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 better than the field right yeah i mean but there is but i mean the thing is though the rake is is just a tremendous negative downforce yeah. for a headwind i think it's not it's one thing that isn't talked about enough it's just such a huge obstacle to overcome so yeah i'm, I'm still i still have mixed feelings about nba classic for me just the, the uncertainty of my process and also the just the time commitment. I'll probably I'll probably continue doing what I'm doing. I'm still cramming in a fair bit of showdown volume, even though I'm not sure I'm winning there. It's probably very close to break even one side or the other. I think my okay. lifetime some results for it are like 0.6% ROI. For NBA. For NBA. For NBA showdown, yeah. 
and it's I can't imagine I did make some NBA changes and I started um, using more projection sources to try and see if that helped I I haven't seen a lot of signal I think all of the reputable projection teams do really good work from what mm -hmm. I can tell um, I've, I've, I've back tested a bunch of different sites and it's like well on any given slate it's like oh this week you know this slate awesome I just crushed and then mm -hmm. the next slate is like oh RG just killed everyone and then it's ETR or whoever but I'm interested in the average across time and I it's still a limited sample but I don't have clear signal there that any one source or any mixture of sources is significantly better than others enough to to move the needle at least i'm sure somebody is the best I, it would probably take a quite a long time to tell okay. um, yeah. is that is that how you generally do projections you you take them from multiple different sources you you combine them uh, do the aggregation style uh, it depends on the sport. I I start. I just started doing that more. Um, I resisted doing that just because I was lazy and I didn't want to deal with all of the different names of players and yep. aliases and all of it, just the janitorial uh, work as it as it were. But I'm like I, I have to do this, um, and I've done it for some sports enough for others. And um, you need good projection quality. But after after a certain point, it's not the driver anymore. Like it's a necessary but not sufficient for success. Okay, makes sense. That's my take. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so now that now that I know that you're playing NBA Classic, I need to ask about that a little bit about your process a little bit, like how you work in late swap. So I know uh, Brick Seventy Five, who I think of as being similar to you, sort of in your process, and that you both uh, do your own simulations. I think not many people do that, so I think that you're a little bit simu similar. And he ultimately said that he does simulations, and for a lot of other sports, he will just run simulations if there is no late swap. But for NBA, he ends up having to use an optimizer. He ends up he uses Fantasy Cruncher. Um, so I'm curious, do you use any kind of optimizer for NBA, or have you found a way Way to still use your program and do it within a simulator so for reasons that are that are either admirable or just arrogant and stubborn depending on my mood i'm just constitutionally incapable of using other people's tools if it's okay. something i think i can write myself um and there's good and bad parts to that i probably waste some time but i do learn stuff and i do get to like develop just what i need and nothing more which okay. has an advantage so my late swap process in, does involve um, simulations coupled with an optimizer that I wrote. Okay. Um, I've only deployed it for DraftKings so far. So for FanDuel, I just use uh, the RG late swap tool, but I'll, okay. I'll eventually use. It's the same. It's the same damn thing. Um, okay. And I, I did. I basically wrote the simplest thing I could live with. That I thought wasn't terrible, and it, it's a little, it's a little, um, it feels a little bit like I'm um, kind of faking my way through it. So there's things I can configure, but I'm having to make sort of arbitrary judgment calls about like things like how much do I weight the median, and like I look at projections, but I also sim results and I mix them up, and I. Yeah, so I try to I do mean, some. I try to do more advanced than the rest of us. Yeah, but a lot of it is like I'm like, okay, 
I mean, this is the closest to actually playing DFS like a normal person that I come is yeah. the late swap. Because I'm like, okay, there's a change in this lineup. Um, I have... Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I have, you know, 10 lineups with this guy out of 150, and he's not really viable anymore. But he didn't open up huge value on his team either. So I might say, I'm just going to late swap those 10 lineups because it doesn't really affect my strategy elsewhere. Okay. But another slate will be like, this guy's out. I have a ton of them. There's huge value that just opened up. It's like, like my whole world has just been flipped upside down and along with anyone else who's paying attention, right? So... This yeah. is why I can't backtest any of that. It's like I'd have to simulate myself making these decisions. I can't. I can't really do that. So, <laughs> so I think what I fear the most is, and I'm glad to hear that you're not there yet. Uh, is somebody who's going to do simulations with late swap that factor in what everybody else is doing and like uh, the ownership that's already the lineups that already exist in the contest and and do simulations that make the best lineups uh optimally for the the lineups that you can see in there um do, do, is that something that you think i need to worry about is that something that you think anybody's going to figure out in the next five ten years and that's not my idea i've heard other people talk about this concept as well uh, I, do, well do you think I'm... it's a, a real a real fear i can cue up my best evil laugh it's something i've definitely considered doing um, I think it's a genuinely hard problem in, in, um, yeah, there, there are a few contest types and formats where it's very appealing to me, where I might try to attack it. Like NFL, I suppose would be one of the easiest. Cause it's just like two main start times. I could tell you, but then, you know, I'd have to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're in completely different States. You can, yeah. <laughs> can't take me out from there. I don't, maybe you could. No, I don't know what you're capable of. You probably have drones. Yeah. Uh, I'll stop asking questions. I'll stop asking questions. <laughs> no, I'm just okay. I um no, I haven't done it yet, but there there are a couple of yeah, there's a couple spots where I think I know exactly what I would want to do. Okay. Interesting. And it's to the point where it wouldn't surprise me if somebody's already doing it. Okay. Oh, 
Well, that's uh, I don't like to hear that. Um, so so, you think, so you think we kind, are close? I don't think it's the kind of contest you and I mostly play. Okay. Um, if, but, Good to but, hear. Uh, I'm just, uh, it's conjecture. Um, okay. It's just, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Um, let's talk a little bit. So, so we've talked most of my, my main process questions. I think we've covered uh, sort of out of order because uh, it was, uh, I didn't really know the order to ask them in because it's such a complex uh, problem for me. Talking about your process was, was a little bit uh, Barely advanced. It yeah, right. So, <laughs> but but let, let's move on to, uh, to contest and, and sports selection a little bit because you, you said some interesting things in uh, on your uh, show with Blender, you uh, said for, for NBA showdown, first of all, you said for NBA showdown, I'm not convinced my method can win. You also said, I'm not convinced I have much of an edge at all in golf uh, two, two different times during the show. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, are there any sports that you've back tested and decided to stop playing because there wasn't enough UV? Okay, so I'll take, so I feel stronger, more, First of all, I'm not 100% confident in any of this, but I'm okay. more confident that my NBA approach is very close to the break-even line, and I'm not sure which side it's on. Okay. Golf, and the reason for that is I've entered for, is twofold. The um, number of NBA showdown contests I've entered is quite large. I've entered a ton of them, the big ones, the small ones. Um, and there's some nuance there where, as you would expect, as, as the contests get larger, in terms of number of entrants, uh, the edge gets larger as well, because there are only so many competitive lineups and competitive players out there. So, the, you know, the larger the number of competitors, the smaller percentage it becomes. But, um, and, it's hard to tell because I've made some changes um, and I can't back test all of them for reasons I won't go into. Okay. But yeah, I'm not, I've been playing around with, with higher stakes showdown and very small field, like the, the $300 14 man I've been playing around with a lot and 11 man type stuff. Okay. Um, and I, I have some ideas there about the kinds of mistakes people are making um and it, i i do think again i will say even at that level i do think my approach is beating the field i just okay. not convinced it's beating the field and the rake yeah um golf is really weird so golf uh, i had a ton of success in 2020 both in simulated results and in actual results in 2021 i had excellent real results and slightly negative simulated results so i was just benefiting from variance my mm -hmm. process was not winning but now come again in 2022 it's looking like 2020. oh nice the first quarter of this year excellent real results excellent simulator results i okay. just don't know what to make of it um, part of it is you only get one real slate a week. I mean, you get the showdowns too, but, th right. but they're somewhat, they're somewhat correlated with each other. Um, right. so it's not like you're getting a full set of separate slates because people tend to do similar things. 
Um, so I don't know if it's just variants. I did change, I did improve part of my process. One of those three main things, I did make improvements in one of them and it could be that that helped. Okay. But I, I just don't know. Um, it's so hard to tell. It's extremely humbling. I think you know this and anybody who who plays a lot of volume knows this. It's just so hard to tell how well your process is performing, even using the stuff I use, which gives me a lot more information than most people have. Yeah. Like most people, you just have your results to go on and like, how often did I make it to the top 1%, right? But right. even, even, even simulating like, let's run my process 100,000 times and see how it did. I still have a lot of uncertainty um, and, the thing is, the smaller your edges, the larger the uncertainty is going to be because I'm highly confident that my process is plus EV for MLB because the edge I have measured enough is large enough and the number of slates is large enough that even if it's twice as good on paper as it is in real life, it's still significant enough that I know there's an edge. Right. Showdown, same thing um showdown nfl, NFL there's just so much dead money um that even my process i've been running like god in my pro on the process level i still i'm still plus either right? when you say dead money in nfl showdown are you referring generally to lineups that are too chalky like the lineups that are duplicated 500 times yeah or, or lineups that just don't project well enough or what do you mean by dead money in general i think i think of it in terms of the field the behavior of the field as a whole, because okay. <laughs> I um, there's multiple multiple mistakes you see all the time. Ironically, my software makes one of them because of the way my process works, but it doesn't matter all that much. So the one of one of them is what you just talked about. Like you have a lineup that's duped, you know, two thousand times. We've actually seen over two thousand dupes win. Yep. Um, and now when I say my software makes the same mistake, I'm saying that from an exploitative standpoint where you could look at, at this lineup and say, okay, in a balanced approach, it should be duped 300 times. Let's say, let's say that's the right number. Mm -hmm. And it's actually duped 2,200 times, right? So it's minus E. Well, you could say from an exploitative standpoint, Look, it's the it's the number four optimal on awesome. Like you should just never play one that close to the top. Right. It's gonna be like eight billion dupes. Just just don't play that. And um, yeah, that's correct. Right. So there yeah. but the thing is, so I've thought about trying to incorporate those kinds of kind of small tweaks. Um, but I'm playing so many lineups that it doesn't matter all that much. Like the amount of EV I gain, and it would be a bunch of work. Like I'd have to go, I'd have to create a special process for each site and pull out different optos and make sure that, you know, there's only a few clusters. I mean, I just, I just haven't bothered with it. But if you're an actual human playing, yeah, don't, don't play those. Like, why would you play those? Well, you, you do a pretty good job in general of not 
duping anyway. I mean, your, your software, for the most part, is doing a really good job of weeding out those kind of lineups. Well, it still plays them. It's just less likely to play them in the field. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I still do play. I have had, I've been up there with all of the chalk donkeys splitting 800 ways. Like, you'll find those yeah. in my results. It just, all things considered, I'm less likely to be up there. If, right. If you assume my process is actually working the way I intend it to work. Right. Okay. Yep. And that I do sense. see that. I actually wrote a tool to do, I won't get into why this is for another podcast, but I wrote a tool that basically um, humanizes the output of my software. So I, I basically run my process and then it gener generates a, a spreadsheet and it lists each lineup and then it's projection. And then how often my software thought it should be duped and then how often it was duped. Okay. And so it's exactly what you would expect. All of the lineups at the top, I expect there to be X dupes. And then there's some one point or two point or occasionally 20.7 X of that number oh. for the ones at the top. Yep. They're all the all the over ownership is at the top. And then you can see. You can see it popping in weird places in the spreadsheet. And then if you look, those are just different sites optimal. Oh, funny. Yeah. So you see these huge spikes in the, in the middle of the spreadsheet, right? <laughs> and then oftentimes the stuff in the middle and at the bottom is over-owned, under-owned, right? Because yep. that ownership had to go somewhere, right? So, right. um, yeah, but it, it's it's encouraging to see that, and I think that kind of analysis gives me comfort that I'm, you know, if you assume my my sims are good, and I'm not convinced they are for every sport. We can get into that too. Um, if you think my sims are good, then that's exactly what I want to see. Like if I get to the point where those numbers, like across the board, are sort of on par with each other, like then my approach can't win, and I would I would say no approach can win at that point. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, for, for NFL showdown in particular, the, the one time I, one thing I remember about uh, looking at your lineups is at one point uh, you had a lineup that was used like full salary or close to it. So usually the way, one of the ways that I get unique in NFL showdown is leaving salary on the table. And I wow. looked at yours in particular and you had one that was like, it was uh, totally uh, used almost the entire salary cap, had zero dupes. And it was because you played Equinemius St. Brown is a, is a player that I remember. And I was like, man, he, he like, I don't think he's played the past two or three weeks, but then I think he actually got a couple targets at that game. Uh, so it was, it's like, man, this, whatever he's doing is really smart. Cause he figured well, out this player that hasn't played and now he's randomly popped into a lineup and got a target or two. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> So that can either mean I've done something really smart or done something really stupid, right? Sure, I mean, sure. This is the problem when looking at computer outputs. If if it does something novel, um, it's either good news or bad news, right? It's like, oh, nobody is doing this thing. Maybe it's a genius or maybe I'm a moron. <laughs> right. And my default assumption is going to be the second one until proven otherwise, right? So I think with Showdown in particular, it's it's very hard. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I'm not sure my sims are good for all sports. And yep. um, NFL Showdown is funny because if you ask me what sport do I have the most 
edge in, it's NFL showdown and it's not very okay. close. I was going you, to, I was going to ask you that. I'm <laughs> sorry. Short if you ask me which sport do you have the worst process in, it's also NFL showdown. <laughs> Interesting. Because simulating football well is hard because all sorts of shit can happen. It's the one sport I actually watch. Um, yep. My wife and kid are more into it than I am, I think, but we, we go to Broncos games a couple times a year. Um, I enjoy it, although I got, I didn't enjoy it so much last season. I just, I don't know. Last season was not fun to watch for me. But, for um, most people, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It was a great season. Yeah, but uh, anyway, but I mean, the number of things that can happen is so vast and we have such small sample sizes to deal with. So that's already makes it very hard to accurately simulate the games. And you compound that with Showdown where the number of possible lineups is so small and the prize pools are so huge that estimating the likelihood of really outlier events becomes really, really important. So your Equinemius St. Brown example, like there's an example of an outlier player where it could be, I'm making up some numbers here, like it could be if there's like a 98% chance he gets a zero, he's unplayable. But if it's a 95% chance, then all of a sudden he's playable. Mm -hmm. Like these subtle differences in outlier events could be the difference between winning first, right? That the famous slate where the backup quarterback won. Who was Mariota. Mariota, right. I mean, I couldn't even be mad. I was like, that's just freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. you got it. that's so great. I mean, uh, so estimating those extremely low probability events is really hard, really hard to do. I don't think I'm particularly good at it. I'm sure other people are doing way better simulation methodologies than I use. And still, I would say of all the sports, that's the one I have the biggest edge, just because there's so many massively overdue lineups so so that's what you're talking about when you were saying that you think some of your simulations are bad you were talking about nfl showdown which also happens to be a, a sport that you crush or a contest type that you crush that's funny right. any other sports that you think that your simulations are bad in um that one is the worst i think i think the next worst would be nba and the reason for i say that is it's not so much so, so my simulations in NBA are powered by projections, Osmo among them. Um, and the problem with NBA is because the projection, because it's the most projectable sport in terms of the distribution of outcomes is the most normal of any sport and the, the most predictable, there's still a lot of variance. So because of that, um, it's sort of a paradox. Having knowledge about the NBA above and beyond the field is a big edge. Yeah. Um, the subtleties of, so each NBA scenario is different. It's like, it's almost like each slate or even each game, it's like a completely new sport has been invented yeah. because we're seeing completely new rotation or we don't know what the rotation is different people playing against different other people maybe the coach is trying out something completely new yep so 
this is why someone like uh, Travis Petty yep. can be so competitive. And it, because that, that knowledge is so valuable. And I think, I don't, I don't want to be Travis. Like, like I don't want to do what it takes to, it's a lot to of work. get that. Yeah. yeah. I think if you love the game and you have his mind for it, I get it. Yeah. But I can enjoy basketball, but I can, there's no way I could get into it to that level. So I know <clears throat> for a fact that I'll never be a lead at NBA because what it takes to get there is not something I'm willing to do. Right. Right. Um, and as, as amazing as projection teams at like Osmo and Rotogrinders are, there's only so much you can cram in to a median projection. Right. Or a median with a ceiling and a floor. Like there's all sorts of subtleties. Like, like you have some, some bench player who's either going to play 20 minutes or he's going to play eight minutes. Right. And we just saw that with Dwight Howard a week, a couple of weeks ago, where we all played him. He was like 50% owned, maybe not, maybe it was 35% or something like that. And he played five minutes and it was just, you know, you, you, it's so unpredictable with the NBA. Yeah. I mean, ideally what you want to do is model all of that in your sim. You say, right. well, 20% of the time it's going to look like this and 50% of the time do this and 30% do this, right? Yeah. This is and, then, sort and of... then if Dwight Howard isn't playing, then who is playing? Exactly. And that's really hard. I mean, that's the kind of thing I imagine someone like Travis is kind of doing in his head, right? Right. Um, and he's, he can look at projection sources and say, you know, this projection right here, there's, there's other information behind this projection and people are gonna get it wrong because yep. I think this guy has a you know 30% chance to just crush for his salary and nobody's gonna see it because they don't understand that you know, the last five times the coach was in this spot, you know, he did this weird thing and, you know, it could be that kind of thing again. Right. Right. And I mean, I've never talked to Travis, but it's, it's my, my take listening to him is that like, that's where all of his edge is coming. And I don't, I'm not saying that to knock him. Like he's like an idiot. I'm sure he understands like optimizers and game theory. Yeah you know better than most of the field but that's not why right. he's winning right yeah he's crushing because... seem to be yeah yeah and we, seems... i talked about this with brick if you yeah. if you combine you know brick and what brick is doing with what petty is doing and yeah. the same thing with you if you combine what you're doing with what petty is doing you'll absolutely crush nba and yeah. i mean petty as brick says to be well, petty doesn't about... need doesn't need us he's do, he's crushing nba anyway which is true so uh, maybe maybe it doesn't i mean maybe that's all it takes he's just so good at doing the rotations um yeah yeah you, you actually, you, you bring me back. I, I actually missed a listener question that I was going to ask you earlier oh, okay, as no we're talking about this that I think is relevant to this discussion of how, you know, one player playing less means another player is playing more and might be part of an answer. So somebody asked, J, J187 on, on Discord asked, what particular advantage do you see Sims having over optimizers like Fantasy Cruncher? Um, okay. So, so you're just doing things at a different level. I think... A lot of people hear simulations and their eyes kind of start circling and they think of this magical thing. Yep. Um, so you've seen me on these shows before. <laughs> no, I, I usually do uh, on the treadmill with my iPhone, but uh, <laughs> um, but all a simulation is is trying to 
roll out a game outcome. But I think Rick mentioned this maybe on your podcast or maybe another. If you're in something like Fantasy Cruncher or RG or whatever, and you generate lineups and you add, you're adding randomness. Yeah, you said that, that is a simulation. Yeah, it's a very localized one. But you are simulating athlete performance. Right. And the first, I, I've never used Fantasy Cruncher, but I can understand how this would work. You know, each lineup, you generate all of the fantasy points for all of the NBA players. First, you shake on some randomness, and then you solve, and then you go to the next one. Yep. Right? Yep. That is a simulation. The difference is, is, um, is more a simulation first approach which is which is what I do. So if you if you want to evaluate how lineups do against each other, I don't see another way to do that. But that that doesn't mean that um, you can't have a very successful process like you do using fantasy cruncher. Um, <clears throat> whatever, you know, there's there's different ways to get there. Um, Whatever I gain in my methodology, you might be gaining and more by understanding field mistakes and punishing them, right? So, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to get there. Okay. Um, let's move on to a few listener questions because uh, we, we got several and I've, I've already and I've already asked a few of them, but uh, I thought some of these are interesting. Uh, Alex K14 asked, when pricing is reasonable across the slate, how do you decide on your max exposures for your highest players in uh, out of 150 set? Is it a fixed pyramid of exposures when pricing is reasonable? Yeah, I don't do anything like that at all. Okay. Um, so I understand the question where it's coming from, but that's that's coming from a normal person who uses tools and generates lineups. You're doing something like what I do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I'm not a good person to ask those questions because I almost never create lineups like do, do you look at your player exposures when you're choosing your 150 set so you, you talked about this a little bit so you're create you're you're narrowing down your number of lineups and i think you said on on the podcast with blender that you then it doesn't really matter which lineups you choose so are, are you looking at different player exposures and trying to you know making decisions based on wanting to diversify your lineup set or how no do you i can't I kind of get that for free and I, I actually don't choose, I randomize. So okay. roughly speaking, if if my process thinks uh, player A should be played at 5%, then on average, 5% of my lineups will have. Right. Now it's, it's, it's not never gonna be exactly 5% because it's kind of randomized. But if you ran my process a million times, that's what, yeah. That's what it would be on average in my 150 set. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So you're not making any kind of exposure decisions. You're just, you're randomizing it and whatever you get, you get. And general, and over time, you're going to have the uh, GTO, you know, uh, lineup sets that you should have, the, the percentage that you should have, but day to day, you might not have exactly the percentage that your, uh, that your simulations would tell you should have. Right. And over time, you're going to. That's right. I do output all that stuff for like debugging and just for curiosity. I'm like, oh, I've got, you know, 23% of this guy today and uh, see what happens with that. I, I um, you notice it, the randomness matters the most for the lowest probability events, of course. So 
if, if I have a MLB pitcher and my process says he should be owned 38%, you know, it's going to be relatively close to that number. But if I have some outlier guy that should be in 2% of lineups, well, that's in one fifty set, that's three lineups. Right. I could have zero. Right. I could have three. I could have six. It could be, relatively speaking, wide divergence. Um, but yeah, over time, it should be about the average. Okay. Uh, JBC69, who's also one of the top players in the world, asks, uh, yeah. maybe this is, maybe music is something that, you know, is, you have in common with uh, top players. He asks, what song should my wife play me on violin while I build in order to maximize DFS returns? Um, <clears throat> well, I don't know how good of a player she is, but if she has a classical background, I might go for like a Bach on a company suite, maybe something up-tempo like a jig or, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Depends on the sport, maybe. Yeah, yes, that's good. I mean, MMA, you really want something that's kind of intense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about that some more. But, but, uh, yeah, on a company. You, you can pop. get back to him on Twitter if you want to. Yeah, all right, I'll come all that over a little bit more. Uh, Josh Sandoval asks a different question. Uh, so on a previous podcast with, with Blender, you asked, uh, you you shared that you had done some testing of you had looked at pga players and you and some of the top like 150 maxes i believe had attained a one percent roi uh over the course i think you looked at 30 different 150 maxers in golf had retained a one percent roi over a number of weeks he's curious if you've looked at this for other sports uh and what kind of ev you're finding back testing your gto lineups okay so I'm not going to reveal my actual uh, EV numbers, except okay. the one for baseball. I already said on Blender Show, I think my back-tested ROI for my first MLB season was right around 7%. Um, I'm very happy with that number. Yeah. Um, golf is a funny story. So when I said that, that was in the worst, the bad year. And I kind of... So, I mean, I got to a point where I was, I was just not happy with how things were going, obviously, even though I was, it's kind of a funny thing to say, but I was winning money, but I was not happy because my sim said this was, you know, I was just on the plus end of variance for that period. So I'm like, let's write some tools to look at what's happening in the field. And so what I looked at is I looked at for that, I think it was for that same bad period I had, I looked at, uh, the top 30 players by volume that I had played against. Okay. And their ROI over that bad period I had was 1% as a group. And this is in what kind of contest? Is this like All in just contest. like the largest? It's in every, every contest that you played in. Okay. Yeah. Now, because of that, almost all of the volume is the GPPs because. Right. Because so vol not volume in terms of dollar entries, volume in terms of uh, lineups? No, it was dollar. Yeah. Okay. So I did it by dollar. So I did. I just did a ROI over the entire dollar amount for all of those people, okay, including myself. And because I I was a positive outlier, so I had to include include myself, of course, to balance the negative outlier. Um, and a wildly divergent. I'm not going to obviously yeah, yeah. privacy. I'm not going to say who or what numbers. Um, but that was very sobering and a little comforting. I'm like, okay, it's not. But when I looked at NBA, um, the high volume players were doing quite a bit better than my Sims. Okay. And that's, this is not a surprise. Um, and this was for 
Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I can't remember if I broke it down by contest type or not, but um, they're clearly better than me as a group. And I yeah, suspect that's still true. NBA has, I feel like the NBA top players are just head and shoulders above the rest of us. So yeah. that, that makes sense to me. Have you done it for, for baseball? I haven't. I did a different analysis for, for baseball um which is related i try to i because i'm planning which contest uh, i want to enter and what volume um and i started to look at um so mostly i did the main gpps the ten dollar fifteen dollar eighteen dollar type stuff for yep. the bulk of my volume but i did dip my toe into the 250 dollar four maxes and some other higher stake stuff um and i did an analysis to determine like what's my edge based on um, contest size and based on entry fee. And I, what's really interesting is I didn't find that much of a difference across those variables, which I found fascinating. For baseball in particular. Yeah, and I think um, it might just be down to a couple of countervailing forces. As you move up in stakes, the quality of individual lineups goes up and the ownership gets closer to optimal. Okay. But the rake goes down. And I think those things are close enough in magnitude that the ROIs were roughly similar. But I don't know if that's real or if it's just, it just happened to be in my sample. But Interesting. Yeah. So I will be, I will be trying to enter more high stakes to get a handle on it um to see to see unfortunately it looks like i can't play the thursday main slate which is a real bummer this this week you mean yeah because i'm booked i have to take my cat to the vet yeah i'll be i'll be uh in dc for the next for 
few days. So I might miss. I'm, I'm undecided if I'm going to be playing. I'm going to be playing the Masters anyway just yeah, to yeah. Enter before I leave on Wednesday, but uh, undecided if I'm going to do early season MLB. I don't really want to get behind. I just, and I enjoy MLB so much. And it's also the easiest for me, at least. I find it MLB is. to be the easiest to enter. So yeah, um, I think, yeah, I, I think golf is the only easier one. The only thing with yeah. golf is you have to wake up at odd hours to make sure none of your golfers are scratched. That's true. And, and even then, they, they often tell you an hour after the event has started. So, right. yeah, good point. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't really care about that. But uh, I, I got burned with, uh, with Hideki this uh, last week. So, I think I posted on Twitter that um, I basically didn't make any changes on DraftKings, and then I full faded on FanDuel as like a little. Hedge. You and I did. You and I did the opposite. Yeah, we talked about that. We went. We went yeah. the cowards. We both went the cowards route, where we well, faded him on one site, played him on the other. I don't know about you, but I I still got crushed on the site where I faded. Same. Him. Me too. <laughs> so it was a rough week. It didn't really help me out. I I, I had some luck in uh, one of the showdowns. Uh, I won one of the five fifty fives, so that was okay. That, nice. That helps. That yeah. helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So so one more listener question, and then I just want to. We'll end up uh, with a talk about the DFS landscape and then maybe talk about uh, your, your favorite DFS celebration. But first, one, one more listener question. Travis Scott said that last time you were on with Jordan on, on your, I think that's, is that, is that the only guest experience you've done with Blender on the theory of DFS? Okay, that's, that's what I thought. That's, that's all I watched. Uh, but so, so when you're on that, you said you spoke about some type of content you may be providing to people soon. Uh, I, he wanted me to ask you a follow-up. If it's still in the works, has there been any progress? Yeah, so... I'm too busy right now to, to do what I want to do, but I definitely want to do something. Uh, I'll just trickle out what it is. Um, a couple of people are like, I'm really nervous about what you're going to release. Like I'm going like, <laughs> to yeah. drop, drop my source code or like, yep. <laughs> but um, actually what I was really interested to do, which I thought would be fun. Maybe somebody else will do it now is to look at, um, to strip away all of the sports specific stuff and just look at um, some toy DFS games. So really small games that are small enough in terms of the number of lineups, like tens or hundreds or thousands, that you could basically solve the game exactly and then change some variables around. And the, the goal here is not to create a tool, but to build intuition, like how does your strategy change when the payout table changes? or what do you do when there's a super high value play, but there's positional scarcity? And what happens when there's correlation between player performance? How does that affect what quote unquote optimal play would look like? I think. So this is gonna be like a, a test that is a teaching tool? I don't know what form it's gonna take. It okay. could be a video or some a website or some puzzlers or I, I, I haven't decided yet, but um, I find it edifying for myself to play with these toy games. So, um, interesting. Um, yeah. So, so just playing with toys, playing with DFS toys. Are um, you a, are you a Rubik's cube guy? No, no. You're, oh wow. My brother I'm sort was of, sort of shocked. I'm really not a visual person at all. Okay. Like, I'm really bad at at visualizing things in my head. Like, yeah. I'm actually person. I'm the same way. I can't do. I've I haven't tried that hard. Like it's one of those things. Like my older brother mastered it, and then I was like, "Well, now I don't need to." So I, I never solved the Rubik's cube. I, I think it, I think it was Whistles Go Woo does it in like a number of seconds. So I thought uh, maybe you'd be the same as, as him. No, no, I, 
I think my brother got all those genes. Uh, okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> no fair. But you like you like toy games. Yeah, I mean, just as a way of 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 building intuition. Like, I've had so many discussions. It's really interesting, um, in various discords where people will ask me like strategic questions, and a lot of them think just assume that I know the answers, and I often I don't know the answers at all. But I'm like. I, I enjoy like trying to work through the puzzle. Okay. Um, and just using my tools, like it's really satisfying to use the tools I've written to answer those kinds of questions. So I think this is a way I can share some of that without like giving anything away exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not giving, it's not gonna make you a winner, but it might, it might help uh, build your intuition teach you to fish kind of thing yeah sort of and, and I, I haven't really seen a lot of that like um uh jordan's course goes into some of the same things i would talk about mm -hmm. um some of them but i would there's a it's a different way of looking at at those kinds of problems uh, okay yeah i i'm interested looking forward to it if you do if you do put it out that'd be fun yeah you get into it's it's amazing how tricky these things become even with really small games like you can create really bizarro situations in freemans yeah. where you where you get games of chicken and then you're like is it an iterative game or not and and is there do you have to worry about colluding players or not and what you know it's it's actually kind of interesting uh yeah for sure i've, I've never done three man so i haven't really gotten into it i know that there's been a lot of controversy surrounding potential colluding uh but i Honestly, I haven't really gotten into it or, or fully understood exactly what they're doing. So uh, yeah, that's something I've, that I'll look into. I've, I've heard that tangentially. I actually did some research into that for reasons I can't get into right now. Um, it's, it's actually a really difficult problem. Um, and I think those very small contests are, are where it really, you really have to worry about it. Um, yeah. I like, I can't see what the advantage would be in colluding in a large GPP. Um, right. It just doesn't seem like there'd be much edge there. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You mean like the, I mean, I'm sure you heard about the the bachelor couple controversy right. where they played 300 lineups across two different usernames. You just think that, I mean, sure you get, you maybe gain like a little bit of edge potentially. In Microscopic. Like, but it's, yeah, but it's not a huge edge. So yeah, it's not a, I mean, you can't really collude. There. Yeah, I get why that's against the terms of service. I think that was DraftKings, right? Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. It's, I think it's a legal thing. Like you're not allowed to, I think that was something that's written that in law that they can't allow people to have more than 150 lineups. So then they need to say, you can't need, do this right. because then obviously you're, yeah. You're kind of not two different people. Yeah, I yeah. get, I understand that. Um, but in terms of edge, I would worry about like, I'll get into this whenever I make my content, but you can create a scenario where you have a three man, and if the two people are working together, you can't win. Um, depending on, it's dependent on how the game is structured in the lineups, but you, you can have a situation where that's possible, at least in theory. I don't know if this ever happens in practice. Mm -hmm. um, I think my understanding of the, the actual scandal is that um, people were colluding in a different way where they, they basically knew the kind of lineup this other guy would play Mm -hmm. And 
they would have one guy basically play the, the same lineup and one play a different lineup. Huh. And then if you do the math, and if it's like 50 50, you're, you're chopping up his money. Yeah. Yeah. I see. It was I something like that. It was something like that, but I think the key is they actually <clears throat> they knew something about how he was going to play okay. and teamed up. But you can right. get into problems where you can have you could have implicit collusion where those two guys don't even communicate, but they just maybe they they have they they take turns playing the chalky lineup and chop up this guy's money, and and even there you're like that doesn't that doesn't seem fair, right? right? Yeah. Even if they weren't explicitly communicating with each other, they just happened on. But it all revolves around knowing the third player's lineup. Right. Okay. But what I'm saying I never is understood that piece of it. There's a yeah. there's another scenario where you don't even have to know his lineup. Okay. Yeah. Where you can I mean, I'd have to do the math with Rake. And it, it, it might not happen in practice very often, but like you can imagine like maybe in a three man there's two viable lineups and it basically one of them is more likely to win than the other so um if you're playing an equilibrium strategy you should play some mixture but if you're colluding one person takes the high and one person takes the low mm -hmm. and then whatever the third person does you can chop up his money so when you say two viable lineups you mean like the optimals like two, two lineups that project much better than all the other right lineups. let's yeah let's say there's only two I, I can just give you the example so people can work this out at home. Um, so let's say you have a contest and there's there's literally two lineups. You can choose one is 60% to win and one is 40% to win. Um, if there's no rake, you can collude by player A picks the 60%, player B picks the 40%, and then you chop up the winnings. And then whatever the third player does, he loses. If he picks the 40%, then on average, he's getting a 20% return because mm -hmm. he's if he picks the 60%, he's on average getting a 30% return, but he should be getting 33%. Right. So he can't win. And then okay. if there's no rake, we just chop up his money. So that's just a preview of like the kinds of toys I'm, I'm yeah. playing with. And then exercise for the reader. Um, what, what's the optimal strategy for this game that it's a mixed strategy. So what percentage should you play A and what percentage should you play B? I like um, it. So you can you can puzzle over that. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff. I'm interested. You should you should put this out. <laughs> it would be People fun. People enjoy it. It's really hard to write. I started writing some of this stuff, and I'm not not the greatest writer, so it's hard. Um, okay. But... All right. Give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Well, let, let's talk about, so, so I've been curious to hear people's thoughts on the changing DFS landscape. And I think that you are in a unique position in that you do a lot of backtesting. So potentially you have uh, an opinion that is more educated than mine and than a lot of people's. Um, so have you done any backtesting over the years that you've been played? I mean, you've been playing for a number of years now and, and very seriously for about three years now. So have you done any backtesting to see if the field field strength has changed at all over those three or so years? So I backtest every lineup and every contest I do without exception. So um, 
<laughs> so it looked like that was the case with golf because 2021 was so much worse than 2020. And I had a private discussion with someone uh, who I respect a lot in the golf space on Twitter. Um, and he's like, yeah, I think 2020 was the peak of hmm. golf EV for whatever reason, maybe COVID and people were bored or whatever. Yeah. But now I don't know now because 2022 has been so much better. So I think it's quite clear that in the long run, the EV of, of all these games has to go down. I, I think my position is, is pretty similar to Bricks. I, I think as tools get better and the average lineup gets better, it's hard to see how that's good for anyone's ROI. Sure. Um, so I think at some point, I... Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He came to a similar conclusion where it's like at some point the edge becomes small enough relative to the variance that it's just not worth playing anymore now and i i think that's correct there's two huge caveats we have one number one is we have no idea how long that's going to take mm -hmm. and number two is there is one variable that could change that i could imagine the sites doing because if brick scenario starts to play out let's say there's a lot of marginal pros or marginal winning players like me and nba right sure so take me my play in NBA not involving late swaps, so showdowns. And if if the field continues to get stronger, at some point I will just stop playing those. Like if it's clearly I'm minus three percent, like I'm just wasting my time and money. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I could see the sites doing, maybe because they're not going to want to see their pros go, like except for NFL, which is so much bigger than everything else. For every other sport, like. And I don't know if you've looked at this, but in the most of the contests I play, like most of them, the 150 maxers are like a quarter of the field. Yeah. And sometimes a lot more. They don't want to kiss that revenue goodbye. So I would imagine at some point it would behoove them to give some rake back deals to keep those people in because mm -hmm. they'd rather get 10% rake or 5% rake than zero rake. And right. maybe this is happening already. I know. 
I guess DraftKings every once in a while sends these emails last minute. I'm sure you get them too. It's like, if you enter this contest, we'll give you tickets. And that's because, you know, they goofed or something weird happened and they're underselling. Right. And they that is effectively raked back. But I could imagine for, I mean, maybe they're doing this already and we don't we don't know about it. But I think me personally, I'm gonna be like exhibit A for especially smaller NBA showdown, like the the mid-size where it's a few thousand entries. Like I'm not I don't know. I don't know if those are worth me playing without significant improvement um, yeah, on yeah. my part. So, okay. So yeah, I think I think it's like poker eventually, where yeah. But the downside for DFS, I mean, poker has gotten a lot tougher, but it's also the ceiling has been raised. So the elite poker players are way better than they used to be, and. Yeah you have to actually execute live. Like when you play poker, you can't just write a program and be done. Yeah. Um, I can tell you those guys write lots of programs where they hire people like me to do it. And then they put in hundreds and hundreds of hours of study. Yeah. It's really hard to get elite at poker. Like so it's like elite, elite athletes. Like right now, they're the yeah. best they've ever been. Like the, the NBA players right now would crush NBA players in the 90s. Mo most people would say. Same That's for right. DF. Like everybody's just getting better and better and better. And now we have, we're, they're the best they've ever been. And probably it'll keep going that way. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you uh, took a person off the street and said, here are the best poker tools. Here's all the solvers and outputs. And here's a million dollar bankroll. You have six months to study, you know go they're just going to light that money on fire like yeah. there are very few people who can play at the i'm pretty good at poker but i could never play at that level like maybe Me if either. i were super super hard i could not be the worst one like at that level maybe <laughs> right. maybe but uh you know but the problem with dfs is like <clears throat> once once somebody creates something like i've created or better than i've created and creates like a push to generate lineup. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of done at that point. Yeah. Terms of I mean, so, so I've, the only, the only reason that I have some optimism still is there's always going to be a human element, right? So, so even if somebody creates that push the button, it's still their own inputs. It's not like it's, you know, magically coming from, these are the correct numbers. This is what is going to happen. It's still based on the variables that they've chosen and based on their, knowledge so it, there's always going to be some human element so yeah but, but, I, but i guess maybe people just get so good that still if the rake is too high then no matter how good you are you can't beat the rake i guess so that's yeah i think i think it's 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 when you hit that good enough point right right like the same thing is true in poker solvers um so there are some games where you can um you can generate these uh these so-called GTO strategies with high precision, and they're basically unbeatable, and people study them. There are other games, though, where that's really impractical to do because the game space is so enormous. Um, multiplayer games and certain other games. I won't go into all the details. Okay. Um, but the thing is, you don't need it to be perfect. You just need it to be better than everybody else, and yeah, then yeah. it's over. Right. But with poker, you have to actually play. Like you, you're not allowed to use to bring your laptop and like right. you have to. And nobody's playing as well as computers. But in DFS, 
you can literally play as the computer, right? right? So I think that's the downside to DFS. Maybe they come up with new formats that mix live decision making more, like sure. more live game stuff to keep it interesting. Um, yeah, they've been doing the, the flash. Uh, yeah. There's, there's these flash games, I forget what they're called. Yeah, I, I should like try one of those. It's kind of fun. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure I get my ass handed to me, but uh, it's pretty simple. <laughs> People make huge mistakes. I actually think there's I'm sure that's more true. edge in that than any other contest I play. Yeah, I think I saw one where somebody was talking about. Uh, so I, I guess it, it gives you options to pick players and stay. Yeah, it gives you like multiple choice. Which player do you want in? And it's just for one quarter of the game. Right. And if like if you're in a big contest and they offer you player A, and then they offer you player A again in some form, like you kind of have to take them again. You might have been reading a thread that I did. Oh <laughs> so yeah, I did, did I did this people yeah. screw this up all the time where they just uh -huh. like they'll pick player A, and then the next time, well, that player projects better, so I'm gonna take him instead. And I'm like, no, you, you don't take the other player. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I made a post about that. People just make major mistakes. Uh-huh. I could see that. Yeah. So maybe they come up with something. I mean, there's always new sports too. And I think um I think to keep it viable, you want new sports and you want lots and lots of variants. Like that's the thing that will keep casual players interested because they have a shot, right? Right. They have a shot to win. And so it's, this is why cash games are dying. Like who, who, nobody has a, it's like $5 and a dream to turn it into nine, you know? Right. Yeah. That's just not a yeah. thing. So I know people complain about these high payouts, these crazy high payout multiples with bad payout structures. I'm like, whatever gets, the guy on the couch to play that's the contest i want yeah i mean if it's like boohoo you're a pro and you have to fight all this variance i'm like right tough noogie you know it's like part of the deal <laughs> you have to create yeah, yeah. a product that's and if you want i mean the sites just want to make their rig if, if you want to be a profitable player you need to have casual players in there right so right that should be the the goal you know. so maybe maybe the fan will 100,000 a first 15,000 a second 600 dollars to 15th or whatever it is maybe that's not the worst thing if it's getting casual players keeping them interested yeah well i i do think there's a middle ground to that too i mean yeah. i was theorizing in discord like maybe uh maybe you just need the top payout to reach a certain threshold yeah attract people and then once you hit that yeah go ahead and sprinkle the money around because Right. That's better for everyone. Plus, plus more casuals who get up there will have a big payday and hopefully, you know, continue to play. Right. Right. Draws them so, in. Yeah, yeah. So I did see the ones I think Jordan was talking about where it's like 50, 30, 20, 10. Yeah. I think that's great. If it, if it, if it draws big crowds, sure. Do, keep doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. But I mean, that, that's, I think jordan likes that kind of pen where it's 50 30 20 10. like that's right. that's actually relatively good i think right. what he doesn't like is the hundred thousand twenty five thousand a second and we did recently see an actual hundred thousand first fifteen thousand a second yeah. so that was that was kind of brutal i'm uh i don't prefer that but i i can live with it i guess but i definitely would i preferred it when it's like hundred thousand at least like forty thousand a second would be would be better but you know i have mixed feelings i mean i i i think the higher the variance it is, definitely the better it is for my kind of process because right. higher variance, it's just very hard to reason about high variance situations um, in your head. Sure. So the advantage to simulations goes up when you have these, these kinds of things. I'm sure. But on the other hand, 
you know, I want people to be able to keep playing. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's, let's close it off now. Uh, question that I've been asking kind of a, a fun question to close things off. Uh, tell me about your favorite DFS win, uh, win celebration. If you have one, do you, do you have a favorite DFS win celebration? I, I didn't really celebrate any of them. I know that sounds weird. Um, I get it. I mean, it, it, that's mostly true for myself as well. It's usually I'm by myself, you know, watching TV in the basement with my phone in my hand and I see the wind. And I'm like, all right, cheers. I'm going to have a glass of whiskey. <laughs> that's my, my celebration. But I do, I do have a, there's a money amount that if I place that in an, a single entry in any contest, then I, I get my, uh, my wife, something fun. Um, so there's that, that's Jordan's first rule of DFS, which is important. Um, I, I guess the closest thing to a celebration, the thing that was most fun was just, you know, messaging my backer, like we want, we just won half a million yeah, dollars. Right. That's kind of a but, fun thing to tell somebody. Yeah. So that, that was, but I generally don't sweat the games or oh. contests. Okay. I, I had. I had one sweat that was uh, down to a a single pot in 2020, where I was like, if this guy misses this birdie attempt, like I lock in first place. And it was like 50,000 for first and like 20 for second. So it was like a $30,000 Delta and he missed it. And then, and it's just nerve wracking. And then another yeah. game I was, I was sweating a, a showdown on a false lead and it was down to fourth down goal line stand end of the game and if they make the stand i win solo first for either 50 or 100k and i they didn't and i like barely broke even and i'm like that's all the sweat i need for, for yep. me it's just like a a negative emotional free free roll it's like yeah. it's yeah. like the negative is so much worse for me than the pie oh, it's the funny so good <laughs> I, I, I don't know I saw you bringing it down. I asked you about your favorite celebrations. You're like, these are all the worst things that have happened to me in DFS. <laughs> well, I the thing I sweat now is the end of the slate. It's like, is the slate over? Is the slate over? Can I check my results? Sometimes <laughs> if I'm bored on a weekend, I'll look at my golf going into round four and I'll just see if I have anybody up near the top. But then I'll so I know which golfers to root for. But that's it. I don't like follow the lineup as it moves. Like it's just once in a while, I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll ask you one more question. So I know that you've done some some coaching for uh, for poker. Would you consider doing any kind of uh, coaching or, or content related to DFS outside of your your potential toy game? Any would you if somebody wanted some coaching, or you know if somebody asked you to do content, is that anything that you would consider? I don't think I'd make a good coach because my way of doing things is so wildly different that's from true it's hard to people do <laughs> yeah so, so i i i think um i i'd be happy to advise people on just like general game theory questions and like talk through like okay you know we just had this mlb slate let's look at the player exposures um, let's look at what the projections were and what the ownership was, and then look at what my software did. And let's see if we can figure anything interesting out about this, any general principle. Um, that kind of thing is interesting, like yeah. using software as a laboratory to learn, which is a lot of what, which is what almost all of my poker software development has been too. It's like, 
yes, it's software, but it's software to to improve your abilities. Like, right. It's not. It's not that it's doing it for you. It's that it's building you up in some way. So that's interesting to me for sure. Um, I don't know what form that would take exactly, but okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. And where, where can people find you? Well, I'm Nerdy Tenor on Twitter. Um, that's about it. I'm in the Rotor Grinders Discord, goofing around there sometimes. Um, and uh, yeah, if I if I do decide to release this toy game idea, it'll I'll announce it on Twitter probably first. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Great. All right. Well. Thanks again to Daniel Hutchins for joining me on episode eight of High Stakes and to Mike Lawrence for producing as always. You'll be able to find episode nine of High Stakes next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for watching. Have a good weekend. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.